Water is the single most valuable resource we have. 75% of the human body is water. Similarly, 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in water. But most of it is salty seawater, which can't be drunk. In fact, only 1% of the world's water is fresh and can be used for drinking. This leaves very little to be shared between 6 billion people. But unfortunately, water is not shared equally amongst people around the world, and many of us waste it by using too much and pollute it through carelessness or ignorance. Even the global climate is being affected by our behavior, with rainfall varying massively from year to year. So the way we use the water we have is very important. Water flows in a cycle between the earth and the atmosphere. Excess water from plants and vegetation rises up into the air and transforms into droplets that come down to the earth again as rain. While we can't always control environmental problems like droughts and floods, collecting rainwater helps us to save our supplies for the times when we need it the most. It's vital that the water we drink is clean because dirty water carries diseases. Around the world, 6,000 children die every day from diarrhea, simply due to a lack of clean water. Not everyone knows that dirty water is linked to disease or understands how to prevent their own supplies from becoming contaminated. In simple terms, boiling water. Say that. Boiling water. So learning how to keep water clean is essential. In this film, we will look at the ways in which people in different African countries are managing their water supplies and keeping them free from disease. The Rugusu community lives in northern Kenya. This area is very dry and water is scarce. Over 600 families rely on a single spring to provide them with water for both themselves and their animals to drink. But sharing the water in this way led to many difficulties. The biggest problem was the communities used to fetch water deep from the eye of the spring and that is the only resource they had for themselves because they used to go wash deep from the stream of the water. They used to go take livestock from the eyes of the spring and there was a lot of problems of uh, waterborne diseases even down the stream. It was a whole problem. Not only was the stream becoming polluted, making it unsafe to drink, the steady supply of water it provided could no longer be relied upon. But with the help of the Lewa Wildlife Conservancy, the community was able to build its own hydro dam. Water drives a turbine. The turbine then pumps water to a storage tank. While this doesn't stop the flow of water to other people living downstream, the Rugusu community is now able to manage its own supply effectively. In the project we have uh, are troughs for the livestock, we have troughs for the goats and uh, sheep, we have washing area. We have toilets and we have shower rooms and we also have uh, taps where people come to collect water through oxen, women and also donkeys.
the level of uh, uh, cleanness have gone up and uh, uh, there have been better way of collecting water and we can see even the living standards have, have increased in terms of health issues because the money they were spending into uh, uh, taking their children to, to the hospitals because of waterborne diseases is no, no longer being used there. So actually now they have done a saving. The project has helped them save from the medical side. So they're actually now improving their living standards and livelihood and uh, uh, it's all a success. The water from the dam also supplies a small tree nursery. The money earned from this pays for a member of the local community, Sami Mwingi, to manage the whole project. Before this project started, I was not working anywhere, I was just staying at home. I like the job. I have met very many people. People from the village now know me very well. Yes. But the purpose of the nursery isn't just financial. There are educational benefits too. We want the children also to start learning on how they can be able to conserve their catchment area. So then we come, they learn to see how the project is going. We are teaching them how to plant trees and we are encouraging the communities to actually buy the seedlings from the nursery of the project to go planting at home as a way of environmental conservation. Planting trees prevents soil erosion too. With clean water and sanitation, waterborne diseases like typhoid and cholera are now very rare, here and downstream. Better water management has also improved community relations. Well, before, you know, the, 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 it used to be an issue whereby who comes first and uh, there was no collective agreement on how they are going to utilize the water. But when the project was started, it just kind of put up a system whereby people have to use it in an orderly manner and knowing that the project belongs to them. So actually the nine villages now are collaborating. They know that this is their project. They know this is the answer to their problems, which has been their common problem of water. And they know they have a system of how they're going to bring in their livestock. They're going to come to wash and they care for the project like it is theirs. And that has caused them to live in peace and also to live in harmony in everything they're doing. The Rugusu community now has a clean and reliable source of water that is free from pollution and available to everyone. They hope that people in other countries can see what has been done here and will manage their own water supplies more effectively. The project has become a success story and it has become a classroom for other communities that have been coming to study here, how the other, these communities have done. In fact, so far I've hosted around six different groups coming to study on how the water has been conserved here and this idea is being borrowed and uh, taken to other places and we hope wherever we have catchment areas if communities can be able to do the same we are seeing the future of the water systems in this area becoming better and better. Yeah. In schools across Kenya, pupils are learning new ways of improving their health and the health of their families. Who's your affinity? Who can do that? We are going to learn about water personalization. That is, in simple terms, boiling water. Say that. Boiling water. Waterborne diseases are still a huge threat to people's health in Africa. Very good. The most effective way of making water safe is through pasteurization, which is boiling water to kill germs. Even now, the majority do not pasteurize their water. You have to educate them because some of them do not know that um, water 
uh, can cause diseases if it is not properly treated. So for us to get clean water, we must boil it to a certain degree. One of the easiest and cheapest ways to pasteurize water is through solar cooking. This is where you use the sun to heat up the water. How many of you have seen this? Very good. When you're using the cook it to pasteurize your water, it is very convenient. Now this is because you're not using any money to buy firewood. So you're saving money that you could have used for fuel and it, you don't have to tend to the fire. You don't have to keep checking um, that the fire is on and the water will boil. You just leave it there. Now, already there is water in this sufria, this one here. Now, here, once again... These pupils are learning how solar energy can be used to pasteurize the water. Over several hours, the sun heats up the water to a temperature safe for drinking. Thank you very much, young girls. Let's pretend that our water is now boiled and ready. We'll check. What will show us that now the water is ready for drinking? What do you check? You check wapi. Inside the pan is a wapi. This specially designed thermometer contains wax, which melts once the water has reached a temperature high enough to kill germs. What shall have happened to wapi, or the wax in the wapi? It will melt. Good girl. It will melt. Glad say it will melt. It will melt. For these pupils, the value of pasteurization is clear. This one is going to prevent us from getting diseases like typhoids and cholera. It can boil water and the germs can die very quickly. Using an abundant natural resource, the sun, solar cooking is a simple technology that can save lives. More people are beginning to use the solar cooker to pasteurize their water. The, the, the waterborne diseases have gone down and the families are much healthier. Water is our most precious resource. But where it comes from varies from place to place, and having enough water to use is one of our biggest challenges. Water from rainfall has a huge impact on communities because no one can predict how much water will fall and at what time of year it will happen, like here in the Machakos district in Kenya. 76% of the area, of Machakos area, is within the arid and semi-arid lands. And this receives around 500 millimeters or sometimes less of annual rainfall within, within the year. It's only 24% of the, of the area in the district that covers, uh, that is, has some moderate potential, agricultural potential. To solve this problem, people are experimenting with different technologies to harvest water. Water harvesting means collecting rainwater and saving it for when there's no rain. Subsurface dams, roof water tanks, and rope and washer pumps are all methods of water harvesting. Water harvesting is uh, really very, very important in this area because out of the there's 500 millimeters of rainfall, 
most of it is, is lost through evaporation and also through runoff into the rivers. The Machakos Rural Development Program was set up in 2002 to solve the community's water problems. The project illustrates the water harvesting method of collecting runoff rainwater in a small subsurface dam. The water is dammed by means of a wall, three quarters of which is underground. The main problem which was actually striking the community was a lack of water. Initially this stream was a dry, was a dry stream. All the water used to go away as runoff to other rivers down across like the river and the community was left without uh, water. So we came up with the subsurface water dams uh, to, to, to stop the runoff. And uh, we stopped uh, using the checking dams, the subsurface water dams, to stop this runoff so that this water can be retained in the community. This example of water harvesting has had a huge effect on the lives of the Machakos community. Uh, the community can use this water for drinking which actually will save them from going the 30 kilometers they used to go to fetch water in the river. And this actually has changed the, even the lifestyle. And now when we came up with the subsurface dams and we stopped the water here in the community, uh, now the cows are not dying anymore. And actually now the economic activity has changed from uh, sale of skins and hides of animals which have died, actually to production of horticulture. <laughs> People used to go without water. They never used to bath because uh, fetching water from 30 kilometers to come and bath here, it was an issue. And now the community has actually drastically changed. Now the people are very happy about the, the dam because now they have water in plenty. We've seen people growing vegetables, producing tomatoes and selling them among the, 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 their, their people, I mean among the, market, the local markets. So we've seen the rural economies growing out of this, this rainwater harvesting. By increasing the water supply, the Machaca small subsurface dam now supports the needs of 150 families. But there are other harvesting techniques that can be applied to smaller communities. Margaret Ondiegi harvests water in two ways. She collects roof water in a tank and has a well which accesses underground water through a pump. The whole community comes here to use my pump. When it was introduced, the water was clean and people liked it. Like Margaret, the Kusa community also has a rope and washer pump that is clean, efficient and easy to use. This pump is becoming increasingly popular as people move away from the traditional rope and bucket method, which is also unhygienic. When water is used, the, the rope is used to withdraw the water from the, the well, always the rope will extend to the periphery. So in the process, even animals come and graze, they, if, uh, they drink, they can even leave their dung and other things. So when the rope touches this dung and again it is taken back to the well, it can be a source of contamination. Also the rope itself, it wears out. And then when it wears out, uh, it's made of a plant, so it will decompose in the, in the well. Now, the new synthetic rope is enclosed within a pipe leading directly to the water below. The Kusa community provides a good example of how water harvesting for domestic use can really make a difference. The community members were very positive when it was introduced. So what they did, they were very ready to provide the locally available materials. So RELMA 
just brought in the consultant who together with the local people helped construct the well. So they were very positive. They brought all these locally available materials and the fundis, the artisans, made the pump and it was installed. As well as helping to build the pump itself, their positive attitude to the project has made it a success. You see, for it to succeed, the community must be involved for sustainability because they, they feel that it belongs to them. So the community were involved from the word go, so they were very positive. Water harvesting for agricultural use depends on farmers using inventive ways to capture water for their land. Dr. Benjamin Ikombo has been a farmer in the Machakos district of Kenya for many years. Generally the, the land here is good for farming but we have various problems like mainly the drought. We have very frequent droughts in this area and this is a major setback. The other major problem in Machakos is fertility, soil fertility. Because this area has been farmed for a long time, the soils have become very poor. And therefore maintenance of fertility is a major issue. Benjamin uses three methods of water harvesting. Collecting rainwater in a small reservoir, accessing the water table through a shallow well, and making use of rainwater runoff by terracing the land. If you look at the farm where we are now, you see that it's very well terraced. So it means that once the rain comes, all the water is trapped, and uh, therefore it increases infiltration, since it cannot go outside the farm. These harvesting methods have had a positive impact on the productivity of his farm, and he encourages other farmers to do the same. I would say to them that uh, since they have come to us and they have seen the successes and uh, maybe some failures, they should try to take what is good, what they have seen, and to take it elsewhere. I think this one is going to be very, very useful for this semi-arid area. That's the way to go, water harvesting. On the other side of Machakos, Peter Kiyo Saku has also seen the benefits of harvesting water. His farm is smaller, and he uses two tanks to collect water, one of which is underground. The other is a plastic-lined tank which holds 70,000 litres of water, enough to irrigate his farm. I used to have hardships here on my farm because there wasn't enough water in the lake that I was using. So I started harvesting water to give me enough for the farm. It has helped me a lot. Before, I didn't have any fruit trees, only corn and a bean crop, and I didn't get much money from them. But now I have fruit trees. Life is becoming better for me. By simply using tanks to harness water from both above and below the ground, Peter has been able to increase his income and improve his way of life. 
When I compare having fruits to producing corn, I get more money from fruits. I've been doing this for a year and have made 30,000 Kenya shillings from fruits. But with corn, I only got 10,000. I try telling my neighbors about my success. And if I compare my farms with theirs, mine's more prosperous. I tell them that they should try water harvesting as it will give them a better standard of life. Over 300 million people in Africa have no access to proper sanitation, which means they have no clean running water and toilet facilities. Human waste that's not disposed of properly can pollute the water table and spread diseases like cholera, typhoid and dysentery. The problem is much worse in towns and cities, where people live in overcrowded conditions and often don't have access to enough toilets. Traditional pit latrines frequently overflow or collapse during heavy rains, spreading human waste everywhere and polluting sources of drinking water. Difson Ngawi explains the problem that his community faced. Uh, before, there was a big problem, especially these old latrines we had. So when it is full up, you leave it and go to dig another latrine. So it costs us a lot. To solve this problem, Engineers designed a new toilet called EcoSan, which is being successfully introduced to communities across Africa. Edmund John from Ikpo helped install the EcoSan project here in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. In EcoSan, you cannot pollute the groundwater. And also, you can just install inside the house because it does not smell. EcoSan looks very similar to a flushing toilet, but it doesn't use any water. It doesn't smell and is very hygienic. An added benefit is that the waste can be used as fertilizer. Unlike pit latrines, which are holes in the ground, the ecosan is built above the ground. This is very important as the waste is contained in sealed chambers, which prevents it from leaking into the ground and contaminating the water table. The ecosan toilet is used in the same way as a flushing toilet, but its secret is that it works by separating the urine from the feces. The ecosan has two holes. When it's used, urine goes down one hole and is collected in a container, while the feces falls into a sealed concrete chamber. Water isn't needed to run the ecosan toilet, and it's important that none gets into the system. Hand-washing water runs away down a special drain. Ashes are poured into the toilet's fecal chamber every day. This helps the drying process and kills germs. After six months, the feces is safe enough to be used in the garden as a fertilizer for plants and trees. The urine container is emptied daily. Once mixed with water, it can also be used as a fertilizer. Pouring it around the base of the plant rather than directly onto it means that the nutrients reach the plant's roots. 
Masha Seleman explains the benefits of her Ecosan toilet. The toilet in my house is very good. It's much better than the other one. It's clean and easy to use, so it doesn't trouble me at all. Having Ecosan toilets has made a real difference here, and many people are now building them in their homes. Although an Ecosan toilet costs more money to build than a traditional pit latrine, its advantages are worth the extra investment. Whereas when a pit latrine is full, a new one has to be dug. An Ecosan is just emptied, saving money in the long term. It's having the, a positive environmental impact because it uses no water and it's, they are also benefit, benefiting on the material that they are recycling, the urine and the, san, the sanitizing materials.